0: Hello, welcome to the Perfect Strangers podcast and welcome to 2022. My name, of course, is Furby Montano. I am your host and I want to thank you for coming to visit with us today. This episode of the podcast is being brought to you by Knack Bags. Knack is a new accessories brand with a unique approach to work and travel bags. They're made by mobile workers for mobile workers. We at NAC want everyone to do more experiencing and less carrying. And right now, if you use the code FREESHIP on checkout, they're going to give you free shipping. Head over to knackbags.com. That is K-N-A-C-K-B-A-G-S knackbags.com. And right now, if you head over to their website, you have a chance to win a free bag. Knack Bags. Okay, so today on the show, I have the ultra-talented Amber Rebold. Now, if you haven't heard Amber's name before, you will. Uh, She is one of the stars of Gordon Ramsay's new show, Next Level Chef, on Fox. She also has a history in the entertainment industry, and she's just a blast to talk to. She is also one of my favorite people for her meme dump Mondays, because she just has the most fire memes ever. Amber has a very interesting way of looking at the world that I can absolutely relate to. Uh, she's someone who's very funny, very down-to-earth, and I just really enjoy talking to her. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Amber Rebold, and I want to thank you again for listening. Have a great one. All right, we are recording. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Welcome to the show.
0: <laughs> thank thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. It's uh nice. Me. Nice to uh finally e meet you outside of This is fun. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's the uh, kind of a weird uh concept because i realized like I don't talk to anyone outside of like Instagram or TikTok ever. So it's kind of cool to get to know people on that level.
1: I think the connectivity idea of it's nice. I think especially after we've all been like locked up. Um I know that I caught myself getting like more and more and more reclusive because as you don't go out and see people, it also becomes kind of easier to like not talk on the phone. And then it kind of eventually becomes, you just send each other memes and like thumbs up it.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's it's kind of weird, right? How like we used to be, I'm getting like, I don't know. Yes. Well, on on top of that, like we're, we're such like creatures of like needing to, talk to people and interact with people. And like, we haven't been able to do that. So it's it's kind of weird how we all just sort of, like you said, just sort of went into our own world for a while.
1: And it's really unnatural because at the end of the day people are pack animals. We were never designed, like we are not the lone wolf. We are definitely pack animals. We're designed to be in tribes. We're designed to be in communities. And this has been such an unnatural situation, but to the point of the resiliency of man or, or woman, um, we adapted, I think shockingly quickly and almost disturbingly well to the isolation. And some of us found, um, like I asked my ex-husband at one point, I was like, you're loving this, aren't you? And he was like, oh my God, this is a dream. Like antisocial people were thriving. But like, for me, I would have never fathomed that I would have actually found some peace and joy in a little bit less go, go, go.
0: So are, are you more of an anti-social person or are you a social butterfly? No.
1: Oh my God, I'm such a social butterfly. When I worked in an office environment, the first hour of my day was what I call just bothering people, like just desk to desk, like what's going on guys? Like that's the first hour of my day. So I am definitely outgoing social butterfly. And that's why all this has surprised me so much because I, I adapted.
0: Are, are you like finding yourself enjoying not being around people as much or-
1: Yeah, I I, I, I am. You know what I mean? Like, I think what it really did was it made me evaluate all the relationships in my life. I think there were people, and I bet you relate to this too, that are literally good for going out with. And you kind of, once you have to boil it down to like, we need to emotionally be there for each other during this weird time, or who do I really want to talk to when I'm going through it? You kind of start realizing that all these things you went and did, and all these people you spent time with really boil down to like five people you really, really care about that you think really care about you. And for me, in that way, it was almost like spring cleaning the friend group. It was like, whoa, there's only like five people. I feel horrible saying this, but like like there's five people I really miss and that I need to see or that I need to talk to. And that was kind of a wake-up call, I think. It's funny. You're not
0: the first person I've heard say that. And uh, my my sister is one that said that too. And uh, she's, she's a lot like, like you, social butterfly, likes being out. And she's kind of the same way when I talk to her, she's like, well, you know, I I found out that I have a really
1: small circle of friends that I actually enjoy being around. And it's it's really
0: interesting how.
1: I think that's actually probably common for outgoing people. I think we for so long, like outgoing people just like to fill the space and fill the time and fill the quiet. And so you will just kind of have a ton of different friends and it's not as important that you have things in common because they're just, your going out friends. But when you take that away and strip it away, what's left is a much smaller circle.
0: See, I've always been kind of not necessarily the opposite, but I, uh, I've never really had a big friend group ever. And that's, that's, I don't want to say it's by choice because that's not necessarily true, but, um, I've never enjoyed having a bunch of people that I interact with, I always enjoy having very meaningful relationships with just a few people. Yeah. You know?
1: Quality yes. over quantity. I think, I think the world is catching up to that ideology and you had it right in the first place. Well, thank you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that was a compliment or not. But it thank is a
1: compliment. You. <laughs> That's like we're living right. And now we're all having to figure it out. So, uh.
0: Yes, so I, I guess we just jumped right into it, but
1: uh, we did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we haven't really said uh, anything about who you are or what, no. <laughs> how, how we've met or what have you. So uh, obviously, we've never actually met in person.
1: Mm-hmm. No, we're um, social media
0: friends. Social media friends, yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: multi-platform, though, and I think that's yes. That if, is, if, like,
0: if you're like, if you're Facebook friends with someone, that's that's like okay they're, they're real. Yeah. That's like, okay. They're, they're cool people. Like I don't just follow them. I actually like see what they have to say in life.
1: Yeah. Like you hear a little bit more about what's going on, but also to me, like I've always said, Facebook is for friends, Instagram's for following like Instagram is kind of like a highlighted reel of the groomed version of yourself. You're kind of wanting to show people, whereas like Facebook, your aunt is tagging you in childhood photos and (laughs) your sister is calling you out for some shit you did last week. And like it's that the tagging element is so much more prevalent in Facebook. So I think people get a much deeper sense of like who you are, not what sure. you are.
0: Totally agree. And I can, I can relate to the uh, aunt tagging you in very awkward things. Really? Me
1: you. Did, that happen oh, to you? Did she do
0: it? <laughs> so I have an aunt, I won't say her name, but she is, um,
1: she knows who she is. <laughs>
0: she knows. And I, and I love her. If she hears this, I am so sorry. Cause I'm not trying to put you on blast. Right, but she, uh, she when she first got a Facebook, she was kind of treating it like her diary, not realizing oh, everyone could.
1: I love that about that generation.
0: I know, and then she would, she would say stuff that was like, you know, today I went to the doctor and they found that, like that level of. Yes, or they'll you know, like, like-
1: put things on blast, like they think they're talking. I noticed this in some older people on Facebook. They'll think they're like talking specifically to one person, but it's like they're sad at that day. <laughs> Or like, have you seen the memes that are like, Joyce so-and-so, seafood lover, has a very rude granddaughter. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I love this about Facebook. I love that like the older generation is on there. Um, but yeah, so it is like, I feel like you and I had our Instagram meme friendship. And then the Facebook friendship, get to see more of like the real life stuff.
0: Agreed. And, and not to keep hopping around, but your memes fire.
1: Thank always. You. My greatest pride in life. <laughs> it, it should be your greatest you pride in Monday. life.
0: They're they're hilarious. Every time I see your meme, like I see a, a one meme, I'm like, oh, that's gotta be amber. Amber up. It is. And then I see the little bubbles, and I'm like, yeah, if there's like 10 of them, I'm gonna love all of these. Let's go.
1: <laughs> I love it. And that's something I started gosh, four or five years ago now. I, I've always loved memes. I think they're hilarious. And I love laughing. And I noticed that like my my you know, little album on my phone was getting full and like clogging up my memory. So I was like, it would happen to be a Monday. And I was like, I'm just going to meme drop Monday this, like, I'm going to clear out my phone. And people nice. were like, this is such a great way to start the day. And like, I've been doing it. I've never missed a Monday unless it was for like my recent life experience I had where I didn't have my phone. But other than that, I've not missed a Monday, not for illness, holiday, anything. in like four or five years. Sure.
0: That's awesome. I, well, I appreciate it. I know several people that I see on your Instagram appreciate it. So
1: it's a public service. Yeah,
0: it is. It is. You're, you're, you're doing the Lord's work if you will.
1: I, you know what, that's what I always say. I'm a woman of the people doing the Lord's work There you go. You on know, the day where the Lord's too tired to be righteous. <laughs> it
0: could be the Lord's work. It could be the devil's work. It depends who's looking at it. Right.
1: I mean, they're all, you know, deities in their own way. <laughs> so, um, can you talk about what you, yeah, yeah, I can talk okay. about it. Uh, I can't do spoilers, but I can talk about no, of I filmed uh, a Gordon Ramsay show. Yes, congratulations. Um, thank you. It was uh, a crazy thing. Just a really odd experience. But I can genuinely tell you, I think if this opportunity had come up a couple years ago, first of all, it wouldn't have, I don't think. But if it had, I wouldn't have done it. I think that COVID and the pandemic, and divorce and all these crazy things that have happened in my life the past couple of years, nothing seemed crazy anymore. So when a casting director approached me and was like, Hey, we're doing this show, I'd like you to, um, you know, apply for it. I was like, why not? Sure. And that's insane <laughs> because it's Gordon Ramsey and I'm not a trained chef. I did not go to culinary school. I don't do it for a living. I just have a passion for cooking but when they said, do you want to you know, try out for the show? I thought, no way in hell is this going to happen. And then it did. So I was in Vegas for a month and it airs. Uh, it starts airing January 2nd.
0: Well, congratulations. That's so Thank awesome. You. Yeah. When you went away for a while, I was like, I'm sure she's like doing a show or something. Like there has to be something that's like.
1: I'm you know, so wow. glad that was your assumption. My greatest fear. <laughs> and I told them, I was like, I told the casting people and the producers, I was like, can I just give people a heads up that I'm going to be away Cause my greatest fear is if people are going to think like, okay, she's wacky. So she's clearly in drug rehab or it's COVID. She died. Like these are the two <laughs> options I thought people would assume. And I've actually never like ever done drugs, but I was like, I know my personality. If I didn't know me, I'd be like, Oh, she's for sure on drugs and is probably in rehab. So I was like, I need to say something like vague booking to let people know I'm going to be away, but I'm fine. <laughs>
0: I can tell you that was not, I, I didn't think drugs, but I did. I okay. guess I did see your, your update. Like I'm going to be away for a while. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's probably like a TV show or yeah. That was the only thing I could think of really.
1: I appreciate you assuming that. I really do. Cause I had some hilarious theories from other people. <laughs> I was just like, oh, let's hear some of them. Um, There was a couple of people who thought I was doing like, just like a social media cleanse, but wanting to be drama about it. There were some people who thought that. Fair. Fair. Um, other people thought I was going to be like traveling to get some sort of weird surgery or like plastic surgery, something like that. There was the rehab theory for mm-hmm. people who didn't know me well, cause I'm actually not, you know, I'll have a drink here and there, but I'm not a big substances girl. So that was people who didn't know me well, but just, um, super outlandish, like random things where people didn't either, didn't believe me that I was going to be gone or just thought it was crazy reasons.
0: Well, I wonder why people immediately go to plastic surgery. That's, that's always a, and I'm a woman and I
1: can't possibly be happy with myself. That's fair. That's fair.
0: <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. Cause I'm actually rewatching the show. Do you remember the show from the early two thousands nip tuck?
1: Yeah. I never watched it, but I'm super familiar with what it is. So
0: I, I'm rewatching it now. So it's funny. You say plastic surgery. Cause that's been on my mind all day. I've been okay. it, so
1: is it a good show? Um, Yes I mean, if you're re-watching no. it it has to be decent
0: it's it's yes and no so for me it's more of a nostalgia thing um okay. it came out I, I think we're around the same age i'm 33 um yeah, but,
1: 34 mm-hmm.
0: okay so it came out um around the time we were in high school like sophomore yep. junior high school I remember um for the time super cutting edge show like
1: yeah
0: they said shit in it
1: which that wasn't a thing on no we actually nine. grew up really wholesome like people yeah. act like it was the 50s but like realistically so did we well and they actually they
0: showed like like actual surgery being done so you could see like body parts and like nipples that were covered up and like them actually like removing yeah. skin and they had sex scenes like like very
1: graphic sex scenes yeah this is edgy for the yeah so what i mean show, you, what network was it on fx that's also what's yeah. really edgy about it because like it, it seems to me that when we were growing up or even into high school and college if you wanted to see some shit you had to watch cinemax hbo showtime like you had to go super premium cable like the the mainstream cable networks even now broadcast tv is so much edgier yeah. than cable used to be and i'm here for exactly. it too like i i always yeah. thought it was, i
0: thought i was. i still think it's so stupid that they like censor out curse words like people don't curse it's don't get so me started stupid. on how
1: people decided that these four letters in this configuration are bad but the same meaning four letters different configuration is fine. I remember being a kid and asking my mom why heck was okay but hell wasn't. Right? Cuz the yes. last two letters are different but they mean the same thing. And I remember her just being like I don't you can say it around the house. I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> I, you just can't say it at school. Like it dumbfounded her. But I've always felt like when people are like oh cursing's ignorant, I'm like really? Cuz I think punishing a word for being bad is kind of ignorant just my hot take
0: well i mean like who decided those words were curse words like
1: always the church somebody at the
0: church i there's i don't know it's it's weird and then like kids are the ones that curse the most anyways right you're just you're just learning the language i remember when i was a kid every other word was the f word just because i could i
1: mean i'm still really bad
0: (laughs) oh no i'm terrible too but i know when to
1: yeah i can walk it it up right (laughs) like when i'm at work but you know what the thing about the f word is that i love it's also a punctuation like if you exclaim it works as an exclamation point sometimes in a sentence it can work as a comma that is true i just feel like it's very versatile it's a word and a punctuation
0: See what I like about it, like you said, you can use it as a comma. You can also use it as a thinking word. So if I'm thinking about something to tell you, I go, well,
1: fuck. Ugh. Let's see. And fuck that's things. it to me. It's better than um. Yeah, agreed. You know, it's at least it's an actual word, but yeah, you can use it as a comma, as this it's a statement. It's just like fuck. And it's, fuck. it's have you like, ever noticed too?
0: Li- oh, I'm sorry, go I ahead. Know. I interrupted you.
1: Oh, I could just go off on on the ways to use fuck all day. What no? <laughs> oh,
0: that, that hurts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: no. I was uh, the
0: word, actually, I don't even remember. It was something with the word fuck, but I don't remember what I was going to say now. Hmm.
1: See, that's why you can't let me go. If you've got a thought, you've got to get it out. <laughs>
0: As my mom would say, it was probably a lie.
1: It was probably, <laughs> is that what it is? If your thought escapes you, it's probably because it wasn't even true.
0: That's what my stepmom used to tell me. That was probably a lie anyway.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's sassy. I like that.
0: Hey, I, I grew up Hispanic, I grew up Chicano in New Mexico. So uh, I was going to you know, ask you, where are yeah. you from? Yeah. Uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe, okay. New Mexico. I was born and raised. How long have you been in Texas? So I actually live in Florida now. Um I live, yeah. I've been in Orlando with my fiance for about a year and a half. Um Good. lived in Austin from 2012 until 2020.
1: I knew at some um, point you lived in Austin because you had a lot of like Austin references and yeah. like things that you clearly knew about Austin. So I was like, wait. I yeah. want that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I, there was a three-year sabbatical. My fiance was in law school. We lived in new Orleans. Uh, okay. so there nice. from 2012 to 15, uh, 15 to 18, I was in new Orleans and then 18 to 20, uh,
1: okay.
0: back in Austin. So, and then it got way too unaffordable. So
1: it's <laughs> astronomical. It's so bad. It's been, I've been seeing all these articles, um, like the past week, it's just coming out that Austin is the most expensive city in the nation. And I'm like, I wish I would have pre-leaked this information before it was actually true because I will never own a home in this city unless I manage to remarry. Like it's just not a single person, male, female, whatever, cannot afford a home in this city.
0: And then uh, like uh, my fiance was telling me Tesla, now that they're building on their thing, they, they just hired on like all the engineers from like the big firms there. They gave them a million dollar sign on bonus each and they're paying them like $600,000 a year.
1: I just think they should give the citizens of Austin a bonus for allowing them to, because that's the other thing. It's not like, oh, they're bringing jobs to Austin. No, no, no. They brought people to Austin, raised the home values, hired people from elsewhere. Like the only thing I will say that I cannot slam on Austin's growth is the food scene. That's true. 100% of the reason that Austin has such an incredible food scene is because people moved here from California, from New York, because of those like major food culture areas moving here. That's the reason we have such an amazing food scene. And therefore I prevent myself from complaining. How
0: how long have you been in Austin?
1: I have been in Austin. It will be 13 years in April. Oh, cool. I'm from San Antonio. So just, you know, hour and a half down the road type thing. Sure. Um, And growing up, I just always wanted to live here. I knew I'd end up in Austin eventually.
0: You, you have a very Austin temperament. So
1: you're,
0: you're, you seem very weird in like yeah. the, right, the right Austin way. Thank well, you. Now, so
1: you mean yeah. it in the vintage Austin sense. I was like, yes, Oh no, am I a pretentious hipster? And I didn't realize it.
0: No, no. You're not the ones
1: that go and take pictures
0: in front of like the wings and the, I love you so much. And then put it as your Facebook picture. No, no one like, is my butter there. half.
1: No one is, no my one one butter is your butter half. half. No one. Except for butter. <laughs>
0: So you see, I moved to Austin, like right at the tail end of it being like vintage Austin, like 2012, it was, it was starting to turn, but it hadn't quite got there. And it was still cool up until when I left. And then when I came back in 2018, holy shit.
1: Yeah. So I moved here in 2009 and my ex-husband was born and raised in Austin, which is like really rare to find. But, um, I, at that point in his mind, it had already been ruined. Vintage Austin was already over and gone. Um, Bless you, by the way. Thank you. And he would complain about it, but I personally don't feel like I saw this dramatic shift in Austin until like 2015. Yeah. All of a sudden it was like traffic. And at this point I have at least, I lived out by Lake Travis for years. I have at least moved like downtown adjacent. I really don't leave a three mile bubble, So it doesn't affect me anymore.
0: Where by Lake Travis? Because I used to live out there too.
1: <laughs> really? So I was yeah. out doing Hudson Bend is?
0: Yes. I know the area, yeah.
1: Oh, so he was, Um, yeah, like out where Carlos and Charlie's used to be. Um, um, Like on the lake.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was not far from there. I was off of like 620, 22, 22 area.
1: So, okay, yeah, so you were yeah. right, a little past Steiner Ranch. I originally yeah. moved to Steiner Ranch and then Hudson Bend was like more Lakeway proper, but okay. he grew up like in that neighborhood. Okay, cool. So we lived in the house that was his mom's as he was growing up. So like, truly, truly local. That's um awesome. yeah. And I worked downtown, but it never bothered me because I got in the lake at the end of the day every day. It was a 24 mile commute, but it did not dawn on me to like be bothered by that. But when yeah. I got a divorce, I was like silver lining, I'm at least getting closer to work. And now I don't leave a three mile bubble and was like I totally understand why people used to look at me like I had six heads for living that far away. I'm like, oh God, this is <laughs> thing. It really is. That's,
0: that's the looks I used to get living that far out too when I, cause I yeah. moved there. I moved there. For, I was one of the California transplants. I moved from LA. It happens. I know I was one of the original ones though. So, you know, no, I'm just the,
1: the bringers of food. I call it all the bringers of food though. I still, I credit a lot of the food culture to California.
0: Hey, you can also thank New Mexico for green chili. Green chili is blowing up. Hatch in season and- is everything No, I grew
1: right. up with hatch season. That's Texas has hatch always had. That's true. Yeah. Antonio. Like try and tell little baby Amber, she wasn't Latina. I had no idea. Oh, like no. when okay. I was a little girl, I true my best friend uh, had a true like Mexican Catholic family. Like her grandparents, her sister, her sister's kids, like they all lived together. Sure, I was over at their house all the time. Truly, took me a little too late in life to realize that I was a plain white girl because <laughs> I just was so much around. That was my favorite food, my favorite culture, my favorite music. Anything for Selena's like that was my. Ch- yes, I saw your shirt. I <laughs> love it. Um, they filmed that movie at my favorite childhood restaurant. Like it was, I had no clue that I was a basic white girl until like middle school. And then I was like, ugh. But I grew up with a strong appreciation for hatch chili season. <laughs> you found out you were a white girl and you go, pinch I'm on No. Exactly. I'm like, in <laughs> going off. My sister actually, who somehow looks even whiter than I do, like she's such a white girl absolutely fluid in spanish and it fucks people up though you know because people will kind of be going off about something and she'll just turn and do it right back and then it's like literally it people would react as if you just saw a dog speak but like this is the palest freckly white girl just beautiful fluent spanish it's so funny (laughs) to watch
0: and one of my one of my uh childhood best friends she's from chihuahua but she's like Mm -hmm. whiter than you right She's very, right
1: because that whole region of Mexico, blonde, uh, she, awesome, she, well, light she,
0: skin. So she has very light skin, but blue eyes and dark hair. Which is oh, pretty, I Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. She's aggressively white, though. And um, <laughs> so, well, we were in uh, my first round of college um, down by El Paso and in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. She worked at a Baskin Robbins there when we were in school, and I would go hang this out. already
1: aggressively white.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there was one time I was just hanging out and these two um older Hispanic ladies came in and they were talking some mad shit about her. I mean really hard and she just let it go and then in perfect Spanish she just tells them, "Here's your change and don't ever fucking talk to me like that again in Spanish." And I was like <laughs> <laughs> And the looks on their faces, they were like <sighs> and then they just walked out. It was amazing. It was everything ever.
1: <clears throat> I think if I could just have a superpower it would be the automatic knowledge to speak any language. That would be a good, imagine good you could do sign language, Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, if you had them all and could just travel the world and have zero language barrier. Oh, I think that'd be amazing.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be a, what what language would you think in then? That's what I always wonder. Like people who speak multiple languages, do they think in different languages?
1: You know what's funny is. I think you will always kind of process and think in your native language, your original. If you're raised bilingual, I still think there's probably a language that you predominantly were around. But I do notice that like my sister who is fluent in Spanish, she also speaks quite a bit of French. And I would notice that sometimes she would like half the sentence would be in English and the other half in French. And so sometimes the wires would cross. And I bet, honestly, thinking is the same way. I, like, I bet I like, you so, think half in English, half in Portuguese or half in Spanish, whatever it is. I, I have
0: to ask my grandpa because he's, uh, yeah, he obviously, English was his first language and, uh, or, excuse me, Spanish was his first language.
1: That's a fascinating question, actually. You really should ask him and please report back to me. I would love to know because it fascinates me to think about thinking in a different language because obviously I just think in, in English, but it would, I guess people do think in their own language. That makes sense. Now
0: now I'm wondering what would that be like if you like woke up one day and all your thoughts were like in French.
1: Oh my God. And you couldn't even understand your own thoughts.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. That's
1: that.
0: That's like, that's a a thriller movie that no one's thought of making. That's a
1: Black Mirror episode is what that is. Like. I've never seen that show.
0: I have to admit. I've heard great things. It's very, it's life
1: ruining. Honestly, Mm -hmm. like I had to quit watching it. I'm a really dark person if we're being honest. And like, I like crime and murder and all of that. Like but there's something about the intrinsic sadness about most of the topics on that show that I couldn't do it. Fair enough. It, it was really thought provoking and things that I didn't want to think about. It was like the darkest parts of humanity just had a light shined on them. And I was like, ew, I don't know. We're not acknowledging this. So
0: I would probably love this then.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, saying. it's like, I love all the murder shows and like, CIA FBI drugs crime like I love all of it but something about someone being so dead ass right about what's wrong with society and like diving really deeply into the pitfalls of social media the pitfalls of adultery the pitfalls of living in lies like all these really icky feeling taboos felt so much darker to me than like shows about the cartel
0: because well, the cartel, you're probably never going to encounter the cartel. You, you might encounter I'm, someone who's a sociopath online who you're
1: talking to. You so, know, I maybe. think, and I think because I've unfortunately had so many experiences with crazies and had to realize how much these shows are not far fetched. Sure. I grew up really thinking that like serial killers were one offs and that like, um, I don't know, abductions and rape and things like that were uncommon, but it's not. And I oh, think that right. the older you get, the more you live, the more it's hard to find those things an entertaining topic for TV. Maybe Fair. I wonder that about war movies. Like I've never asked a veteran, but I'm like, does it bother you that this hell you lived is something that people go and eat popcorn about?
0: I've actually asked my friend that I have a, I have a really good friend of mine back no. home who's a veteran. I, cause we went and saw, I don't even remember what movie now. Um, it was one with like uh, war on terror or what have you. This was mm-hmm. probably about 10 years ago. Um, anyway, I asked him like, is that what it was actually like? What's that like? And he's like, yeah, a little bit. He's like, they, they try to make it a lot more horrific than it actually is. He said, you see some awful shit, but you see it in spurts. So it's like, you'll see something, you'll go, you'll go months and months and months and then, and then you'll see something and it'll really fuck you up, but then you won't see anything again for that deployment or what have you.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine said that basically you go and it's like mundane and you get used to it. And then you see something so much more grotesque than they would ever show in a movie. Yeah. You'll have one day where you see something so vile and repulsively violent and haunting that she's like, they don't get close to it in movies. But what they do in movies is they take it and they stretch it out over months and act like it's every day for months. But really, it's like this one flashbang of absolute horror. Yep. But I try not to like, I don't know. I have a lot of friends who are veterans and I just have such a a reverence for the state of mental health you must be in after experiencing something so dark. But I often wonder like even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my whole life I've been like, it's really awful that people find that entertaining and it's fun to go get scared and eat popcorn. Like that really happened. And that really is some, like their families still live in Texas. That is how somebody's daughter died. Like and then we're all like, ooh, fun, scary. Let's go watch it. But I'm probably, I mean, I just think it's kind of messed up.
0: Honestly, like slasher movies, I've never really been able to do. It's a like, little uh, yeah, it's, concerning. It's all, well, for me, unless it's like like Freddy Krueger where it's in a dream.
1: Where okay. it's completely but, outlandish. Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: but if it's something like Halloween or, or Texas Chainsaw, I'm always like, you know what? There's a lot of people that I probably know in my life who they're one bad day away from snapping and turning into something similar. And, that's well, and it
1: really does happen. Like yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre truly is a true story. And obviously right. they Hollywood dramatized it, but like the house isn't far from Austin. Mm. Um, it really happened. It's really something they also like live in Texas and you're all going and eating candy and going on a date to watch how these people's daughter was, you know, it's just, and my friends were like, "You're the worst. Why do you have to ruin everything like this for us?" I'm like, "No, like, go see the movies about aliens or ghosts or whatever." But like, yeah. the movies, like, I mean, movies like Taken, even really like, for me because it happens. It happens.
0: Have you, have you seen uh, Squid Game? Yes. That that one that one, that one messed that that one messed me up because it made me think if someone offered me $4 billion, would I do it?
1: Well, here's the thing. Even if you wouldn't, I promise, you know, more than one person who would people oh, who are yeah. in dire enough straits. Oh yeah. The secrets in that show is what I thought really sold. It was how everyone has secrets. Cause oh, we yeah. do, we all have secrets. And a lot of them can be fixed with money. So it's like, can we really say we don't know anybody who wouldn't end up in that situation? And then even the way they turn on each other, like, that's all so real in in how human psychology
0: works i when i first heard about the show because i didn't want to watch it and then i was on a I didn't either I, I was on an airplane and i was like you know what Fuck it, i'll watch it right and i was happy that they didn't go like super sadistic with the way they killed people uh it was just very um, quick and very like throwing them away which i yeah. feel like that that was a little more impactful because it's like yeah you guys just lost whatever you're out
1: I mean, we're definitely doing spoiler alerts here, but to me, it wasn't even the games themselves that were troubling to me. It was the night that they turned off the power. Oh yeah. That, you... When they went free for all and just beat each other to death. That was what was so dark to me. Cause I'm like, ew, people, that was my problem with walking dead. I'm like, things would have gotten murderous and rapey and kidnappy and all those things much sooner. People, yeah. when, look, when the free... when somebody loses a baseball game, cars get set on fire. Like you want to tell me in the zombie apocalypse, people aren't ransoming children by day four. Like it, Man, it's, it's totally going to happen. I mean, the pandemic
0: this with toilet paper and like masks, how fucking like militant people get towards each other. Well, either side one way or the other, like both
1: directions, yeah. like regardless of what you think there have been absolute fools on both sides of the fence who have allowed at the end of the day, a piece of cloth, which you are required to wear on your body. It's just the anger that people had in both directions, but the toilet paper thing was like a completely made up issue. Well,
0: and that's like, okay, well, what if there's a shortage of food? What, what are people? Well, we had snowpocalypse. Like, Austin
1: had snowpocalypse this year.
0: I wasn't there. Think- How,
1: what was that? Tell me about it.
0: I say that, I say that sounding excited. I swear I'm not, I'm genuinely curious. No,
1: it was just shocking to me. And I had it better than most because I'm on the same grid as a hospital. So I lost water for a week, but I had power. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't without heat and I have a fireplace, but I had two coworkers come stay with me because they didn't have anything. And I'll tell you not having running water, not flushing a toilet, not being able to wash dishes, no cooking, no showering and having like coworkers in your little apartment. It was a unique experience. But what I loved, I think, with a lot of things that have gone on with Texas the past couple of years, I've struggled with like my Texan pride. I was a very proud Texan. And the past couple of years, there's been a lot of things that made it hard. But I will tell you, Snowpocalypse made me angry at our government and proud of our people because we should not be on our own grid. But oh my God, what would have turned nasty in any other city? If this had happened in any other city, there would have been looting. There would have been fights, fires. Texans came together and were like, hey, I have meat. Do you have vegetables? Hey, I have heat. Do you have water? Grocery stores were coming to the rescue. HEB is always to the rescue. But like not one robbery, break-in, violent crime, grocery store, like nothing bad happened. And I think that spoke volumes about like the true nature of Texans. Absolutely. because everyone just opened their doors and hearts to each other. It was literally everyone acted right. And I was so impressed because I really think anywhere else it wouldn't have been that way. That, that,
0: that's, that's like the biggest thing I miss about living in Texas. I, when I was there and I was there long enough to actually feel like a Texan, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not from Texas, but
1: I, I you're like regional. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Texas adjacent. Yeah. Texas adjacent is a thing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like, that's the one thing I miss being in Florida is here. It's not that at all. It's like everyone just cares about themselves. Leave me yeah. alone say to yourself. And that's, I've never lived somewhere like that. Like I le- I'm from New Mexico. It's very like Chicano and like, you know, Rasa, do do what you can help yeah. out others. And then I lived in LA and LA, the, the area that I lived in was very much that same way. Very, you know. Chicano, Texas. I see, but that's very culture
1: based, which is unique. Like I think um, there's a tribal mentality that all cultures will kind of band together. I think what's so unique about this was it was like black, white, Latina, Asian, like everyone was just like, what do you need? What do you have? How can I help? That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Like Texans genuinely look out for each other. That's, you know, if some shit's hitting the fan, like I'm gonna help you if I can, dude. Like, it's like I can, our I government won't...
1: doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> our government was like, deuces. We're going to Mexico. Like, they <laughs> high drive straight up. Our politicians left. People were like dying, and they left. The yeah. like, Texans were like, all right, H-E-B, Like, let's get this figured out. Like, between the grocery store and the citizens, it it could have been so much worse. But the wow. you know we were packing snow into the toilets, which by the way, it takes a ton of snow to flush a toilet. Um, but it was just, it was a crazy experience to not, it made me so grateful because to not shower for a week, that's something that people go through all over the world in this country. I've never had to experience it. And it was such a wake up call for how lucky I felt. I mean, just that one simple thing of like how happy I was to finally shower. And I thought, God, there's people who haven't showered in weeks or months. And that's what a lesson in gratitude.
0: (sighs) We really don't know uh, how lucky we are, do we?
1: (laughs) No, but you know, and I think uh, I'm a big believer in bad things don't happen to you, opportunities to feel loved or to feel grateful do. I really feel like anything that's happened to me in my life that would be considered a bad thing. My predominant takeaway is always like how people have been there for me, how people have like showed up for me. and I think that's a gratitude thing that we could all benefit from is just every time something bad happens, think about how much worse it could have been in the sense that people were probably there for you and, and you had the means to get out of a situation. Not everyone has that.
0: It's true. It's very, very true. Oh, we we got kind of, kind of dark there.
1: I'm like, cool, it's cool. I'm like no, I-, I know I seem all bubbly and fun, but like, I am. I get deep in the dark quickly. People are like, no, You're
0: the no, no. I, I, I actually really like it because I, I don't have conversations like this very often, uh, just with my huh. circle of friends. So it's kind of nice. Always here um, for
1: you. If you ever want to like, be like, hey, <laughs> controversial topic. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> you might, you might regret that later, but I'm going to take you up on that.
1: I, mean, no, I really <laughs> don't. Like, I do feel like the greatest growth in life comes from having the conversations people don't have.
0: Yeah, I completely and, agree. Like,
1: giving room for that and knowing that someone might be different than you, but like approaching that with the simple realization that we're different, not better or worse. That's something that people struggle with so much.
0: Where where do you think that side of you came from? Like, where did, did you learn that growing up your parents or is that from like San Antonio?
1: Gosh, that's such a good question. Um, I think I've always just been a really like grateful person. I remember as a kid, I had a really privileged childhood. My parents were divorced and I never saw my dad. So blah, blah, sad. No, I had like the most privileged childhood. And I remember being really little and recognizing that. Like, I remember knowing that I had it unusually good. I remember thinking like other kids don't get to go on vacations. Like my grandpa takes me on other kids don't have a a horse, you know, like I knew And so it must've been something, I don't know if my mom actively instilled it. I think she used to tell us things like, um, you're allowed to be spoiled as long as you're not a brat. She would kind of say things like that. Like, I'm going to love you and take care of you, but you need to appreciate it. So I think she instilled it in us, but I just remember ever since I was really little, like knowing I had it really good. So then when I got older and and genuinely bad things happen, I think I had this strong sense of foundation of, yep, but yeah, I have a good life though bad thing good life
0: that's a good way to look at it
1: and and not everyone can like i understand that it's also genuinely true for me even when bad things happen i have great people in my life i have a great family like not everyone has that so it's not like you can just adapt it but i do think everyone has more than they think they do yeah no
0: i definitely agree with you um i mean i've always kind of thought the same thing I kind of live by the same yeah model, if you will um Honestly, though, it wasn't until I got older, like mid twenties or so that I realized like I had shit going on that was actually like difficult shit yep. that I was, that I was pushing aside being like, Oh, it's not that big a deal because I'm not starving or, you know, what have you. And then, right. and then like when we were in new Orleans, um, the big thing for me, I had a really hard time finding a job and Ooh. I didn't, I didn't realize like how much of my self-worth was tied to having a job
1: and your and income then- and your title.
0: Well, the thing is, I'm lucky. My my mom, she does very well for herself. She was able to help me out, right? So that was, I was so grateful for that. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, being 27,
1: your ego was
0: hurting. Ego, and then on top of that, I just felt like worthless, dude. Like, like what am I even doing with my life? Like, you know. And then on top, like at at that point, I really just had like retail experience. So I, I didn't have a college degree at the time, like. You know, but not, not that you have to have one to be successful, but you know. No, but it is
1: hard. Like I don't have, I have an associate's degree, which at this point is a glorified high school diploma. And so you're right. Like if you don't have significant experience, it's hard to leave a field that you've been in. If you don't have a degree, that's what I tell people. Absolutely. you have to have experience, but you have to have experience in that field. And the only way you're going to get that experience is if you have the degree in it. So if you've been all retail or all sales or all customer service, you're kind of stuck there unless you have a degree to push you out elsewhere.
0: Or someone really like rolls the dice and gives you a shot, which I'm uh, not, not that, not or that, that
1: which thank God you had your mom.
0: Yeah. And I, like I said, I was very lucky that I had my mom to fall back on. Cause like new Orleans was, uh, I'm just going to say it. I hate that city so much. Um,
1: it's tourist town. I've heard it's really hard to live in.
0: Very hard city to live in. And not that, you know, the people there are great. I love the sense of community. I love the culture of New Orleans. Holy shit, just living there, though, especially if you're not from there. Wow. It is. So that's
1: the thing is, yeah. I think it's one of those cities that you have to be from yeah. or visit. Like there's a culture that's so definite and it's their people. If you're from New Orleans, then good. Otherwise, you're a visitor. Yeah. I've I've never lived here. You're a visitor.
0: I've never felt like an outsider in a city that I lived in until I lived there for three years. I felt like, holy shit, dude, I do not belong here. Well,
1: and that's the worst thing. I think, you know, home is sacred. And when home doesn't feel like home, that is incredibly displacing to the human psyche. That's so uncomfortable.
0: I, I couldn't relax at home. Uh, I would be at home just thinking about like oh my god I fucking
1: hated here. Oh my god I
0: fucking hated here.
1: That's it's terrible. Like, and you and had to care for your fiance, right? Because she was in school.
0: Yeah, and I mean, luckily for her, she she didn't like it either but she had school to distract her, which I'm That's an escape. Or, yeah, I'm so happy that she had that.
1: And she was living the reason, right? Like you knew right. it was for her, but she was living the reason, which makes it feel even more worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was it was hard because I was like, "There's not really aside from her, which I love her and I wanted to be there for her, and I didn't want to leave." There was that underlying feeling like I don't have to be here. There's nothing that I'm here for,
1: right? Like it wasn't your school, it wasn't your job, your need. Like you were purely doing it for her, which makes it a little harder to do.
0: Yeah, and well. I think also we, we were always planning on moving back to Texas. That, that was always the plan. So there was that thing in the back of my head, like, oh, you just got to make it two more years, you know? Yeah. So like the, you waiting, had one foot
1: out the door the whole time. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Looking back now, I probably could have embraced it a little bit better and a little more, but it was pretty miserable. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the things we could always do better, but at the same time, like hold space for your feelings. It was a miserable experience and it's okay to say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I always find it funny though. Now, when I tell people I lived in New Orleans, there was like, Ooh, New Orleans. And I say, you, you, if you live there, you would not be having that. Reaction.
1: Like saying, Oh, you lived in Vegas. Like, Ugh. <laughs> I lived <laughs> oh, in Vegas know. for a month and it wasn't really living in Vegas. Cause I wasn't allowed. We were either on set or in our hotel room. We weren't allowed to leave our rooms otherwise. So it wasn't like really being in Vegas for a month, but I can't imagine living in that city.
0: Yeah. Well, so you went, it wasn't like super hot when you went either, right? Like 120, 130. Like that.
1: It was, I mean, it's so hard to say. Cause like literally we would be in our hotel room at like 645 in the morning. We would go to set and we would be on set for like 12 hours. Oof. And then we would band back and like eat, go to bed. I mean, it was six hours or six days a week, 14 hours a day total of like not being in your hotel room. Oh my God. But like, the truth is we weren't like out wandering around, but sometimes we would go from like one part of the set to the other. So we'd go outside and go around. And it was like, I mean, I loved it because born and raised in Texas, it was hot, but no humidity. So I was like, this is amazing. Like this feels people from other parts of the country were like, (gasps) I'm like, oh, y'all would never (laughs) make it. This is a dream. Because in Texas, it's like this hot, but 90% humidity. So you're literally walking in soup.
0: Yeah, Florida too. Florida's. Yeah,
1: Florida. I've never been to Florida, but I've heard it's like Texas on steroids as far as like bugs, heat, humidity.
0: We have uh, about four alligators in a pond right around the corner from my house, if that means anything. So,
1: I mean, that just seems honestly, I would take that over the cockroaches though, because I know your cockroaches are even bigger than ours, right? Don't you have like those big tree cockroaches? We I haven't
0: seen any cockroaches here. I've seen a lot of flying bugs that I don't know what the hell they are and a lot of birds and snakes. That's about it.
1: None of that. It's like the cockroaches for me. Like I've heard there's some really scary and because we have them bad in Texas, but I've heard that they're like even bigger and more aggressive, like just awful in Florida. And I will deal with a, seeing an alligator on my walk before I hate cockroaches. I'm irrational about it.
0: I grew up in a like higher area. It's like 7,500 or 7,900 feet up. Um, so wow. we didn't, we didn't have cockroaches. Um, I, I didn't, I did not see a cockroach until I was 18 years old.
1: I hate them. I vacuum <laughs> them up. I use my vacuum attachment because I learned long ago, you can't kill a cockroach. You just can't. No, you no. can't step on it. You can't trap it. You can't. So I use the vacuum attachment and then I just leave the vacuum running for a while so that it like suffocates. And this is my patented method because I like, cannot. Deal with cockroaches. I'm such a classic girl about it, like, just can't do it.
0: You should patent that the, the cock vac. No, 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 don't call it that. Do not oh, call I were it
1: calling that. it that. <laughs> oh, we're calling it that. <laughs> sell like hotcakes and also get returned oh, when oh, they realize, not. well, you could probably use it.
0: The caca vacuum. There you go. The caca vacuum. I... No, that's that's worse though, because the caca vacuum.
1: No, I, okay. I think. We're going to stick with cock vacuum. I think that's the cock vac. It's nice. The cock vac. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Now I'm just, you you can do the, uh, well, I don't know if infomercials are still a thing, but those are very interesting. They
1: are. They are. And I have a friend whose dream in life is to be one of those infomercial guys. And he, in fact, he's going to be mad at me for spilling this because he thinks this is like the best patented idea. He wants to like be infomercial for hire so that people would like an Etsy store or an oh. Instagram store would like hire him to do their promos. That's a good, but like thing. he loves the sort of like sham wow vibes. He that's thinks this is of, the yeah. biggest thing. So yes, it's absolutely still a thing.
0: That's awesome. The, the sham wow guy. Well, that was the, the dude that like also did slap okay, chop. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm thinking about the other guy, the, the bearded Billy guy, Mays? That, Billy Mays. Yeah. Is that the guy he was that's oxyclean guy OxyClean, Okay. I yeah. thought the OxyClean guy was like flying on cocaine and that's why he died. I knew. Yeah. That was. Yeah. I remember he, him and Michael Jackson died within like a week of each other when this happened. And I remember yeah. when I, when I found yeah. out Billy blanks that I was like, wait, what and how, what
1: is going on right now? 2009. So oh, crazy. <laughs> there are some celebrities that are so good about hiding their shit. You know what I mean? Like some of them, you see it come around like, yes, we all know that Lindsay Lohan's on drugs. Like when that was going on, that was not a surprise, but like, oh, Heath Ledger is dramatically depressed or, oh, Billy Mays is a huge drug addict. We're like, what? Yeah. Don't tell me this. I had no idea.
0: Trying to think who I would be shocked by if I found out now.
1: That they were on drugs? Yeah. For me, it would be Taylor Swift. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, she's so wholesome.
0: I So I'm not a huge, like, Taylor Swift fan. I, I've grown to appreciate her as she's gotten
1: older. Talented,
0: yeah. Yeah. I've always thought she was super talented. I just always thought she was a little snooty. But Yeah,
1: she felt a little. So I was, like, dedicated to hating Taylor Swift for, like, the longest time. I'm, like, she's so fake. She's so... Well, one of my childhood friends that I grew up with has worked for her for like 10 years now, which as a backup singer and dancer, that's a really long career. Most most singers won't hire a backup singer and dancer for 10 years. So right there, that's amazing. But she's like, honest to God. She's like hand on Bible. She's an amazing girl. She comes to our weddings. We go to Target. We hang out. We're real friends. She's amazing to everybody. Like that's as cool. much as we all want to think it's fake, she's like, that's Taylor. And I was like, no, I've been trying to hate her my whole life. That's Damn it. Cool. That that's
0: cool to hear. That, that makes me yeah. I, I know it doesn't matter what I think about her, but that makes me happy inside to hear. Yeah, it's nice people to know like when
1: that. celebrities are kind and humble. Like, I don't care anything else about them. It's nice to know when they're kind and humble.
0: The the kindest celebrity I've ever met was Chris Cornell from Soundgarden.
1: I love that.
0: He was so nice. Number one. So this is when I I went to music school in California and um, my cousin worked at this thing and and he happened to be there. And when Uh I was there, I just see this like six foot five chiseled man, literally the most beautiful human being I've ever seen in my entire life. For now, these like piercing blue eyes. And I was like, holy shit, this man is a Greek God. He is not a human.
1: Right. Like, who is this beautiful man?
0: And I, I, you know, I'm starstruck. And then I'm also seeing him because he's gorgeous. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? I'm I'm a big fan. He goes, Shh, just calm down, man. It's okay. How are you? How's your life? What's what's going on? And that's all he said, like that. And I was like, I'm good, I'm good. And I told him, I'm in music school. You're your music school? Keep it up, man. That's really awesome. I hope to Stop, see. You that's day.
1: so pure. And he was just, he was what like we wanted our childhood paintings of Jesus to be like. Oh yeah. Like, why um, is Jesus so ripped? Why is his hair so luxurious? Why is he so white? All of these things, <laughs> but like Chris Cornell was it, and it was like that deep voice. Oh. Yeah, definitely was, had a Cornell
0: crush. Yeah, I, I I did too. After that, I was like, I'm, I, I'm, think. I'm not gay, but after that interaction, I was like, dude, he could get it.
1: Just a and, little bit right, just a him, little bit
0: pansexual him, in that moment. Him him in '90s George Strait it was the only two.
1: <laughs> have you ever met George Strait?
0: I have not. I would love to, but I have not. Do
1: you know how tall he is? No, he's tiny. I, I that doesn't shock
0: me. I've seen him on stage. He's
1: about five
0: three, five four. Wait, what? That's no five,
1: five tops he's little no really he's little 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 wow I didn't yeah know I, I, I kind of figured he was like, like when I was growing up so, yeah I knew
0: I knew he was from San Antonio um mm-hmm. wow I didn't realize he was
1: that, that my That's stepdad crazy. picked him up hitchhiking his car had broken down George Street. wow and he was just walking inside the, the road and my stepdad picked him up not knowing who he was not a country music fan and was like, can you give me a ride to my house? And then he pulls up to the Dominion, which is the neighborhood in San Antonio where like the Spurs and like celebrities live. Sure. And my stepdad was just like, what hitchhiker did I just pick up? And like came back and told me the story. And I was like, oh my God, you picked up George straight. Like he's like, yeah, he said his name was George. I'm like,
0: like, no, no, you didn't. No, what
1: don't. are you, like, why do you not know who this is? Like, why is this not a bigger deal to you? But I think the most normal celebrity I ever met, like most felt like a common interaction was Johnny Knoxville. I could see that.
0: I've never met him either, but I could see that.
1: He did not act like a famous person. Like he was just chill as hell. I was photographing an event. He, he, he and Arnold Schwarzenegger did this movie, something with a school bus. This is years ago. And I, was like working part-time for a limousine company. I would take their pictures when they would do events for their promotional stuff, like an executive car company. And he's just standing outside, like smoking a cigarette. And I'm just sitting there not talking to him because like, that's part of the rules. Like you don't approach them, whatever. And he walks up to me and he's like, that's a dope shirt. I was wearing like a pink, like baby pink pearl snap button down shirt. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he's like, that's a dope shirt. He's like, can I buy it off of you? He's Like, I mean, I'll give you my shirt so that you're not like I mean, I'm not being a creep. He's like, I'm not being a creep. He's like, I just think that's dope. I was, like, I was
0: gonna say, Amber, I think he might have been hitting. Him. No, no, no. This he was so like... and he
1: was so genuinely like as soon as he caught himself, he was mortified where he was like, I'm not oh, being a sure. creep. Like, but you know, he's wearing his like denim jacket all, and I'm like, I really loved the shirt. And I was like, No, I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't, you can't buy my shirt. And also, it's never gonna fit you because he's not tiny, like he's probably six one. And I was like, you're never going to get this shirt on. Like, this would be the worst money you ever spent. And he kind of just looked at me and he's like, no, you're right. How's your night going? Just like totally normal.
0: That's awesome.
1: Totally normal. And I was just like, because most celebrities at least have like this celebrity air about them, even if they're not trying to. Gordon Ramsay's presence fills the room. Like, he's a big dude. He's a big dude, but his energy is like, you could... Live under a rock, not know who he was. But if you met him, you'd know he was famous. Like there's just he has this thing about him.
0: Just some people just ooze fame, or
1: he oozes fame. Like he oozes. It's it's more like this. He oozes extraordinary energy. Like you, you would be like, I don't know if this guy is an actor or an athlete, which he used to be, like football, a soccer player. Yeah, he's a big dude. But like, if you didn't know who he was, you would still know he was somebody. That's fair. You're not trying to act like he is. He just has that presence.
0: There's there's a difference between bragging and then just knowing.
1: And that's him. I will tell yeah. you, like, he is not, he never once was like, I'm Gordon Ramsay. Like he was actually really <laughs> honestly, I get the sensation he totally cares. And I thought he was really. I mean, he'll tell you when you fuck up. <laughs> he'll tell you, but like. I found him to be very supportive and I thought he cared and I actually really like him. Awesome.
0: You're you're the first person I've ever met that's, that's met him. So that's, that's really, I was scared.
1: Like, don't get me wrong. I was like, I'm going to be called an idiot sandwich, a donut, a donkey, something within (laughs) moments. And I mean, he had some harsh criticisms for me, but every single time it was, it was when I had screwed up and it was true. And I was like, you're not wrong. Like my reaction would be like, you're not wrong. But he was like so warm and helpful and like supportive and encouraging Like, it really shocked me because you see him on TV, but what I realized is he's like that because he's at the top of his game and he's usually talking to other people who are supposed to be at the top of the game, right? Like other chefs. He knew I wasn't a chef. Sure. This show was for amateurs and professionals, and he knew I was one of the non-professionals. And I think he kind of reacted to me with some grace because of it.
0: So are, is, uh, cooking something that you'd like to, uh, obviously I know you do it for yourself, but would you like to do that? Like as a profession or anything
1: under exact circumstances, I never want to work in a restaurant kitchen. Oh, fair. That is such a hectic environment. Like those people work harder, grind it out. It's like working at a hospital, like the hours and the stress level, like it is hot, literally hot in there you're working massive amounts of hours. It's a ton of pressure. Like, no, you're not saving lives. Like you're at a hospital, but man, they make you feel like it. So I don't, I don't think I'm cracked up for that environment, but I would love to be a, like a private chef. Sure. Small event catering. Like those things are what I love. Cause I love cooking. I don't want to rush making the same 13 things all day, every day in a hurry.
0: Yeah. I got you.
1: Cause I love the craft. So I would love to do like, private chef work or event catering that's smaller, not like big weddings, like smaller stuff. Cause I love just cooking for like 10 or 15 people. I love doing that. What's your favorite thing to cook? My and this sounds like a cop-out, but hear me out. My favorite thing to cook is somebody's favorite thing to eat. And what I mean by that is like, what I love doing is asking somebody, was there a dish your grandma made that you haven't had since she made it for you? Is there a restaurant where you used to live that had a dish you absolutely loved and you'd kill to have it again, like finding out the most nostalgic thing somebody could eat and then trying to crack that code and like treat it like a puzzle and then kind of send them on that journey is my favorite thing. Like whether that is someone's grandma's Russian cabbage soup or meatballs, like they used to get in their hometown Italian joint. Like I love making the food that gives somebody the feels it's not so much about what I like cooking or eating. It's like, what's going to give you the feels.
0: So what, what would give you the feels if you were asking yourself that question?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, Like I am very much a classic, like steak and potatoes. Like I grew up very much an Irish girl in Texas, like Mm -hmm. a lot of steak and potatoes, a lot of protein dense, starch dense. So anything like, a steak and potato dish um oddly enough like corn beef and cabbage i hated it when i was a kid but now it's so nostalgic to me and it like does take me on that journey um just to me oftentimes it ends up being what you ate when you were a kid like what was your favorite thing when you were a kid
0: pizza still is pizza
1: <laughs> I mean, that's still your favorite like of all things um, to, your
0: for me so there, there's two things. My mom's spaghetti,
1: not
0: love to be it. all not to be all m M&M about it. No, I actually,
1: my my <laughs> mom's spaghetti meatballs is one of my favorite things too.
0: Uh, my mom did the spaghetti um, with Italian sausage and mushrooms and oh, it was so good. Oh my God, um, I love
1: that. That's one of my favorite things too. The thing is,
0: I, I actually do make it better than her now, but it's my mom's.
1: But you're doing it in the speciality right. for you and that makes right. it better.
0: And it tastes a little different the way I do it. It's always yeah. going to be my mom's, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the other one is my grandma used to make pot roast with mashed potatoes, peas, and carrots.
1: You I and I, some, have, we have the same yeah. childhood foods.
0: Yeah. And my, my grandma's. So I could give a fuck about the pot roast, right? Like the pot roast was delicious. I love it. But pot roast was pot roast. It was because my grandma made it. And it reminds me of like Friday nights staying at my grandma's house. She would make me that she'd cut the meat for me. Like up until my grandma died, I guarantee you, she would still cut my meat for she me Master.
1: So that's the feeling I try to capture when I cook for people, because if I can figure out that dish there, you know, your grandma might be gone and you can't have that experience again. But if I can get as close as possible and take you on that emotional journey to me, food is so powerful in that way. If I can make you Great. feel that, that warmth and joy of like grandma made this for me, that's my end. all be all with cooking.
0: That's awesome. Well, Believe it or not, we're at an hour.
1: Ah, we just I chatted right through that.
0: I know that this, this is, it went by really fast. It always does. Yeah. Um, before we log off, um, do you want to tell people about social media, the show, yeah. anything, Pl- plug yourself, tell, the, tell
1: the people things, where they can find you. The things about Amber, um, my Instagram page is at Amber Lane, TX y'all. So A-M-B-E-R-L-A-N-E-T-X y'all. And then uh, the show is Next Level Chef. It airs on Fox January second. Uh, that's a Sunday, so I would love it if everybody tuned in and had a little drinking game about how many times I cry.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say have a drinking game about how many times you say fuck and they have to bleep it out.
1: I'm actually worried about that as well. So if you want to tie that in and really get hammered, just make it anytime Amber curses or cries. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna attach that to this episode when it airs. I'm gonna put that on there—a tally Curse of how many shots I took because Amber said fuck. I love it. All right. Well, Amber, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for being on. Hopefully we can have you on again soon. All right.
1: Oh, I would love it.
0: Cool. And thank you everyone for listening. Have a great one.